Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of the Rockies' 20th Happy Birthday Celebration. So, uh, yeah. So if you're visiting, if it's like your first weekend, we don't throw a birthday party like every Sunday. Uh, but we have cupcakes for you. I hope the cupcakes are good. If you didn't get one, you can get one on your way out. And so I just want to welcome you here, tell you thank you for being here. Uh, if, if you're new and this is your first weekend, then I just want to tell you, you're going to, this is a great weekend for you to be here. Uh, you're going to learn a lot of things about our, our past and our history, uh, some of the things that God has done, some really defining moments that God has done in the history over the last 20 years. And then as we look forward uh, to the future together, and also, if, if you've been with us for quite some time, then today's going to bring back a lot of memories as we share some of the memories of God's provisions and God's faithfulness and uh, as he's provided for this body in Pueblo, Colorado these last 20 years. And so to help communicate that, uh, we have a, a video for you. And so it's going to kind of chart the defining moments in our ministry and our history and all the way up to this point. So I'd invite you guys, watch these side screens. In 1994, God called Dr. Kurt Dodd to leave a megachurch in Houston, Texas and begin one in Colorado in the city of Pueblo. Dr. Dodd quickly assembled a team of pastors to join him on this journey. Charlie Jones, Paul Radden, and Dale Schmidt. Four families had a strong call of God on their life to relocate from Houston, Texas and leave family and friends and relationships and jobs and income and all of that other stuff out of a promise in scripture. The vision that God had given us of just being a real church and connecting God, people, and community in an authentic and transparent and just a real way. And that God wanted to do a new thing in Pueblo, Colorado. Once arriving in Pueblo, Dr. Dodd, along with his fellow pastors, began laying the foundation for this new church. It was never going to be easy, and their beginnings were as humble as could be. But a core group of believers quickly formed. Every individual listed in the local phone book was prayed for by name. Practice services were being held at Ron Colley Middle School, while the church prepared for their first public worship service on Easter Sunday. I remember going into the first service, maybe 25, 30 people there, and there was a praise team with four people singing. So we'd always have to go to the church early. It was always loading and unloading. You got familiar with the people that showed up every week to help with that. 53,000 Easter invitations were sent to every home in Pueblo and the surrounding areas. The community response was substantial, making the first Fellowship of the Rockies public worship service an encouraging step toward the future. We were meeting in various locations, from schools to, to art centers to convention centers. We were doing everything we could to find a place for to gather and we didn't have any permanent facility. So we were meeting in temporary facilities. Gradually, the congregation grew, and by 1997, an expanding community of believers had established themselves in Pueblo. Regardless of where the church met, they were always driven by the same set of core values, scripture, worship, acceptance, and transformation. It was evident that God's hand was on this new church, aiding in its continued growth and reach. 1999 was really and truly an unsettling time in the life of our church. We had several staff members resign. Our founding pastor, Dr. Kurt Dodd, went to a church in Florida 
And so the church is asking questions. People are asking questions. Are the other pastors going to leave? Are we going to continue? And so really and truly the church at that moment was unsettled. I planted, Apollos watered. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, But God gave the growth. Dr. Dodd, who'd laid the very foundation, had mentored Charlie Jones. So it was only natural for the church to call Pastor Charlie as their new senior pastor. God took me to the story of Elijah and Elisha. And so Elijah asked Elisha, what can I do for you? And Elisha just told him, I want the spirit that rests on you to rest on me. God drilled that story down in my life in those early days to where I began praying. And I began praying, God, would you do something that helps our church to understand that your hand rests on me the same as it did Kurt? And out of that is when we quickly bought a facility and bought a building. And when that happened, people realized that, you know what? We're here. We're here. As 1999 was a difficult year, the year 2000 was like on the other end of the spectrum. And we get word that the Southside Ford Theater is up for sale. It had been a little bit over a million. That's what they were asking for it. They dropped the price to half a million. We knew the time was right, and so I led the church to purchase the Southside Fourth Theater for our future home. With a brand new place to call their own, the moment had arrived. The acquisition of the Southside Fourth Theater proved to be an incredible turning point for the Fellowship of the Rockies. People sacrificed their resources and time to purchase and then transform a theater, making it a church a congregation that once went through 13 different locations finally had a facility they could truly call home. After working for over a year renovating this facility, it was time to move in. And we moved in with one service. And that service was an amazing service. We gave everybody a brick that had our logo and Fellowship the Rockies name on it, and it was a memorial. All of a sudden now you have this this mission and this vision that now becomes very personal because we'd been living it out for all of those years and now it's just who we are naturally. As the new millennium rolled on, attendance and participation rose exponentially. The church continued to live out its values of scripture, worship, acceptance, and transformation by connecting God, people, and community, highlighted by yet another watershed moment in 2009. 110 people followed the Lord into baptism on a single weekend. The church kept growing, adding services, staff, and ministry partners. But the sheer numbers told just one side of the story, for the connections among the Fellowship of the Rockies family were profound and embodied the true calling of the church. So we were pretty immediately overwhelmed when almost 30 were baptized in the, on the Saturday night services, I remember. And so we knew that we were already ahead of the game of what God was, was saying uh, to Pastor Charlie in asking for 30 people uh, long before Sunday ever came. So I was sitting at church in between my sister and my husband, and um, Pastor Charlie's sermon was on baptism. And it was like I was the only person in the room, and I felt like God was speaking right through him to me. And the, the sermon was so crystal clear to my soul that it drowned out everything else. As the sermon ended and I heard God call my name, 
I stood up and I said yes. And it looked like I was walking down the aisle. But I know that God was carrying me. And when I got to the end of the aisle, Pastor Charlie and Karen were waiting for me. It was like they knew I was walking down or that God was carrying me down. And they comforted me with the Holy Spirit and were happy with me that I was giving my life to Christ. In making a commitment, stepping out and taking the next step in their walk with Jesus Christ, I think that was a watershed moment for our church because we've never really gone back to the days before that time. Because of the numbers kept just increasing, that we were having to do so many Easter services here that we, we were forced to move the Easter services off-site. There's a lot of, of growth that's happened over the last several years, and God's been doing a mighty work in Pueblo and the surrounding areas. And so we get to do church together. We get to worship God together, lifting up our voices together as a church family all at the same time. God's hand is on this place by His own choice. And we're, we're keenly aware that that's not because we are amazing people. It's because we believe Pueblo and the surrounding area needs a church like Fellowship of the Rockies. Fellowship of the Rockies, because of the growth, doing four services on the weekend, we're at another defining moment. And our church has purchased and paid cash for an entire subdivision. We're in the process now of laying the groundwork and making plans and all of those other things for this new facility. It's been crazy to look at what God has done over the last eight months. Started here, we had about 50 to 60 regular students. Now we're uh, getting close to 150, uh, and it is just the beginning of what God is doing. As we continue to grow, as, we can, as God continues to impact people through Fellowship of the Rockies, I anticipate this is just gonna keep moving forward, keep growing, touching more lives, and even after I'm long gone, this thing keeps going. God keeps doing his thing, regardless of who's here. I look back and say, you know what, that was, that was a great 20 years. I'm excited to see what the next 20 years are gonna look like. I do believe deep in my heart that the best is yet to come for us. Fellowship of the Rockies to me is my church home. Home is where you were meant to be. To me, Fellowship of the Rockies is home. It's a support system for me. Fellowship of the Rockies is my church family. I have never experienced a love quite like the love that the people have here. Regardless of your past, regardless of where you come from or where you're at currently, this place will change your life. It's where we get together. It's not just about us, it's about the community. It's about serving God and expanding His kingdom. Everybody is welcome to come here. It doesn't matter from what background, how you dress, how you look. We just want you to feel welcome. Fellowship of the Rockies to me is a foundation that I've chosen to help to lead me on my Christian journey. Fellowship of the Rockies is impacting people by bringing people to God, building trust and love and encouragement and hope into the city of Pueblo. Pueblo, Colorado should be a better place because Fellowship of the Rockies is here. Fellowship of the Rockies' best days are ahead of us. We thank God for what he's done over the last 20 years. And, and, and I just want to talk to you this morning because one thing a birthday celebration allows us to do is not only to look at what God has done and celebrate what, is, what has gone on the last 20 years, 
but it also helps us look towards the future together. And so I think that's real important for us to, this morning, not only to remember where we've come from and our principles and all of those other things and all the faithfulness of God, but also to look towards the future together. So there's, there, there's a passage, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, is where I direct your attention. I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's a question that all of us have to ask and answers for ourselves, is we have to ask ourselves a question, are you ready? Are you ready for what God wants to do in your life personally? Are you ready for what God wants to do in your life corporately or a part of a body? Fact is, when you, you go back to the Old Testament and you realize that before, before Jordan uh, took the, 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 crossed the, the, before Joshua crossed the Jordan River, that he asked everybody, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God's going to do some amazing things. And so it's important for us just to pause, I believe, at this celebration and just ask ourselves a question, are you ready? Now listen, a little bit of context about this verse that Paul is writing to Timothy. Here's the interesting thing about this. We're going to start reading in verse 6, but in verse 1 of chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is saying some things to Timothy and said, Timothy, I want to prepare you as a pastor. That as I hand this church off to you, I need to prepare you for some things. That there is coming a time when people will no longer... I hate to tell you, there's going to come a time when people will no longer make church a priority in their life. The busyness of life, the priorities of life. Timothy, I, I need to let you know. There is a time coming when, when church will be, for some people, not a priority, but everything else is a priority in their life. And so, but never, never, never let that be in your life. And never, never quit reminding them the need for priority of church in their life. And so Paul writes these three perspectives about this issue of church and these three perspectives that, that if, if you're ready, we're going to have to answer them three different ways. We're going to have to answer them individually or personally, corporately and generationally. And so I want to walk through those with you as we look at this. The first thing is this, are you ready? And if you're ready, you have to be ready individually or you have to be ready personally. In other words, you have to come to that place in your life to where you say, you know what, I'm all in. I am all in for me what God is doing in, in the body of Fellowship of the Rockies. I, I've made that decision. I've made that commitment to where it's not their church. It's not uh, the pastor's church. But you know what? It is my church. And as a result of that, I'm all in. You see, a lot of people, when you have conversations with people, they say, you know what? I want to be a part of a New Testament church. But where the rub comes is it's much more difficult to be a New Testament Christian. There's a lot of people that want to be a part of New Testament church. There's not a lot of people that really want to be a New Testament Christian to where they take just the writings of Scripture, they just apply it to their life, and they develop their priorities out of that. And Paul is helping Timothy to understand as he was, he was putting Timothy in place to be a senior pastor, that Timothy, you've got to, and you've got to be ready. And you've got to be ready personally, because if you're not ready personally, the church will never be able to take the next step. If you're not all in... The church will never be able to take the next step and do what God has called them to do. And so Paul writes to Timothy, uh, starting in verse 6, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll read these verses. He said, Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and, and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the, future, for the present 
life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, for to this end, we toil and we strive, we persist, we lean in, we press into God because, because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself. I mean, be committed to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. In other words, he's talking about a worship service. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all, talk about community, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Timothy, persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. And so Timothy, Paul is helping Timothy to understand that Timothy, if you're, if you're all in, it is not something that you talk about. It is not, Timothy, if you're all in, it will show in the way that you live your life. It will show in the way that you set your priorities in your life, that you make your commitments in your life. And Tim, Timothy, may it be said of you, may it be said of your church, may it be said of all of those that come and worship with you, where they're able to say, you know what, we're all in. We're all in this together. And that's why Paul in verse 15 again said, Timothy, there's some things you've got to do. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So Paul gives Timothy three ways that you, three ways that you know you're all in, three ways that you continue to be all in, Three ways that you personally say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for what God has for me. I'm ready for what God has for this body. The first thing that Paul told him that, Timothy, if you're ready and if you're all in, there's some things that you're going to practice. It's our first word. He says, Timothy, practice these things. In other words, well, what, what was he asking Timothy to practice? Verse 6, he said, Timothy, practice good doctrine. Listen, good doctrine is not just something we have head knowledge of. It's not just something that we talk about. We practice doctrine. The way that you practice doctrine is the way the doctrine fleshes out in your life. The way you handle your marriage, the way you handle your dating life, the, ha the way you handle your relationships, the way you handle your profession. And then he goes on in verse 7, Timothy, do not get caught up in irreverent or silly myths. In other words, don't get caught up in all these arguments about personal preference. Understand what's at stake. Understand that, that you're in this and that you're in this together. And then he says, Timothy, i got to tell you in, in verse 8, if you're all in, you have to train yourself. In other words, there's individual responsibility. There's this issue of just to train yourself to where to where you get up in the mornings or whenever you have that time and you open his word and you life journal and you allow God just to speak to you. Now listen, Paul relates it to physical exercise, right? In fact, this is one of my favorite verses. Phys physical exercise is of some value. In fact, this is last weekend. We, uh, a couple of weekends ago, we got like this. We got a, a water rower. Man, that thing's hard. Uh, and so... Karen's like, you know, on Saturday, Karen's like, you know what? 
it'd really be good if you exercise. It'd really be good if you tried that thing out. And maybe, maybe see if you could go, you know, 1,000 meters, 2,000, whatever. And I said, fine. And so she ran some errands, and I put golf on. And I got on the rower, and I said, man, this is hard. And so uh, Karen came home, and I'm sitting, like, in the recliner. And she's like, and she looks over at the water rower. And I'm telling you, I should have taken a picture and put it up here. Next to the water rower is an empty two-liter bottle of Coke and a candy wrapper. And she's like, she's like, seriously? Even a candy bar? I go, hello, I would call that a protein bar. It has nuts in it. <laughs> and so you, so you know, if you've ever done anything, if you want to be physically fit, there's some discipline you have to put in place. And it is not fun. You have to have a disciplined life. Nobody's going to do that for you. And what Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, if you're all in, if you're ready for what God wants to do in your life personally, you're going to have to train yourself. You're going you're gonna to have to open up the word. You're going to have to let God... Listen, I'm telling you, forget all the theological implications with this illustration. But let's just say, let's just say that I announced to you this weekend, guess what? Jesus Christ is going to show up here tomorrow. He's going to be our guest in the pulpit. He's going to preach. You'd probably make it a priority to be here, right? I mean, you, you, you wouldn't care. I mean, you're, you're in. You're going to be here. Well, can I tell you this? He shows up every weekend. He shows up every morning in your closet wanting to speak to you. And when you open up the word, he's sitting on the other side of you. And when you're life journaling, he's like, see that verse right there? You're going to need that verse. Fact is, you're going to, you're going to need that verse at 5 o'clock this afternoon when you meet with your boss. You're, you're going to need that verse when you talk to your husband, you talk to your wife. You, you're, you're going to need that verse when you're trying to make that decision telling you he shows up every time you open his word and you ask him to speak to you that's why paul's telling timothy timothy i'm just telling you there is coming a time when people are not going to value the church any longer but may that not be said of you remind them that they have to be all in they have to be ready in Timothy, if you are, there's some things that you will, that you will practice. And he goes on again, verse 13, and says, be devoted to Scripture. And then verse, verse 14, he says, and practice, listen, practice your gifts. Where do you practice your gifts? He, what was the context? The context was a local body. Do you realize, I'm telling you, do you realize that God has called you here to use and to exercise your spiritual gift? And listen, when I don't use my spiritual gift, guess what? The body suffers. And when you don't use your spiritual gift, guess what? The body suffers. And so what Paul is trying to help Timothy to understand is there's some things that you've got to practice in. Now listen, practice does not make perfect. I mean, I know that. I play golf. It doesn't matter how much you practice. Practice does not make perfect. But listen, what Paul is telling Timothy, practice makes progress. Practice is where you develop. 
Practice makes progress. That leads us to the next one. He says progress. He said there's some things. Watch this, verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. In other words, what he's saying is we've got to be active in a community of believers. There's something about this issue. I don't know if it's true of you. It's true of me. Where it's a life, whether it's a, whether it's a life group, whether, whether it's in the community of worship service, whether it's in the community of church, that when I see people mature, when I see people progress in their faith, it encourages me. Doesn't it encourage you? I mean, doesn't it encourage you when you see a video and you hear uh, the, the testimony of Nina Williams and she decided to get baptized? And doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't it encourage you? See, that's why we do this in community. And what he's saying is you, you, act, you, you practice your gift, you make progress so that all may see your progress. I'm telling you, Timothy is, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about this issue that practice brings progress. And listen, progress gets us one step closer to what God wants us to do. Man, there's something about this issue of progress. Listen, see, here's the difference between religion and a relationship. Religion celebrates only perfection. That's why religion gives guilt. That's why religion, you feel like you never... You never hit the mark. You never live up to that. Because religion, only thing that religion does is celebrate perfection. But, <coughs> excuse me, but, but God celebrates progress. Religion celebrates perfection. God celebrates progress. Listen, God wants to take you from where you are to where you need to be. From where you are to where he wants you to be. And so Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, and this is done in communities so that all may see your, your progress. And the third thing that he tells him, that if you're going to be all in, if you're all in personally, then the, then the third thing that he told him, he says, there's some things you've got to persist in. In other words, there's some things you've got to be committed to. There's some things that you've got to lean into. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist, Timothy, persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. Listen, let, let me just tell you something. Being all in isn't easy. Being all in takes a commitment. Being all in, listen, being all in takes setting priorities and, and, and principles in your life. I mean, Paul is trying to help him understand that, listen, there's some things you've got to practice. There's some things you've got to progress in. But, Timothy, I just need to let you know, you need to persist in some things. And that's why he tells Timothy, that's why you do this in community. That's why Hebrews says that we're to encourage each other. We're to, we're to spur each other on to continue in our faith, to, can, to, can, to, can, to continue to take the next step. To, to, I'll quit saying to continue because that's a hard word for me. <laughs> Just continue. Because, listen, it's easy to throw up a highlight reel. And God has done some amazing things. But can I just tell you? There's some tough days here. There's some tough days here. But there is a commitment that, you know what? We're, we're going to persist in this. Regardless if anybody goes with us or not. We're, we're continuing. We're going we're gonna to persist in what God is doing. I mean, we... Listen, you don't go through there. We worshiped in 13 different locations in Puebla. 
When you look at our location changes, the times that we flip-flop back and forth, it's like 28 different times that we change from one facility to the next and back. I mean, when you just, when you just look at our rapid growth and just trying to, trying to keep up with this growth and trying to assimilate what God is doing here, all the people that God is bringing, there's challenges in that. How about four worship services on the weekend? Do you realize to do four worship services on the weekend, it takes about 250, 300 ministry partners? And you say, oh, man, sounds like you don't need anybody else. No, we need a lot more people. We need a lot of more people that just understand that it's in the local body that, guess what, that's where we practice our gifts. That's where we say, you know what, I'm all in. Listen, it's easy. It's, it's totally easy to say I'm all in. But then when we look at our priorities, we look at our life, it may say something different. And Paul is saying, Timothy, and you've got to persist in these things. You gotta, in other words, you've got to persist in these things to, to move forward. Because, Timothy, if you're not all in and the church isn't all in, you'll never be able to take the next step. Listen, every one of us has to decide the principles that we're going to live our life on. Karen and I did that a number of years ago when we were, we were newlyweds. We were newly married, and, and we had to decide some priorities in our life. And you know what? Both of us, we want, we want our lives to count. Uh, we wanted to radically follow God and just press into him and see what he has for us and just, just to trust him and see what he'll do in our life. We wanted to set an example for our kids. The church just wasn't some social club. Church just wasn't some organization that you just, you just did for an hour on the weekend. But it had no implications into your weekly life. It had no implications into your day. We wanted our, we, for our kids, we wanted a heritage. The church is more than just a social gathering. And there, there were times that, that it was just, it was difficult through this. And I'm telling you, I could have never have done this without my wife. And what she has meant to me, my wife has always been my biggest encourager. Uh, you guys know uh, that, that whole verse that, that you should progress in your gifts so that all may see. Those of you that started with us in 99, you, you know what my preaching ability was, was back in 99 when I became the senior pastor here. Um, there were some times I fell asleep when I was preaching. <laughs> and you know what? Through these years, when, when, when I've been down, Karen's always been up. And when she's been down, I've been up. And we've encouraged each other. And we've had a community of believers around just, just persist. Just, just continue in these things. We were, Karen and I were life journaling together uh, Saturday morning, and, and she said, hey, here's my verse, Psalms 34, 9. Oh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who takes refuge in God. And she said, you know what, Charlie, over 20 years, we've continually been experiencing God. We've, we've been continually tasting, and we have seen that God is good. God is good. And you know what? This verse is really true. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the family. Blessed is the woman. That takes refuge. In him. And so Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy. I'm just telling you. Tough days are ahead. And people are going to fall away from church. But not you. And just encourage people to be all in. The second thing he said. That if, if you're ready. If you're going to answer all three. He said. It, are you ready? 
And if you're, if you're ready, you're, you're ready personally, and then you're ready corporately. And all of a sudden, Paul begins helping Timothy understand the importance of a local church. He began telling, helping Timothy to understand community in the local church. And so individually, we would say, I'm all in. Corporately, we'd say, we're, we're in this together. In other words, we're family. In other words, we're connected and we're in this together. I mean, in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the, of the New Testament church, you find that. fact is, they use different phrasing. They say everything they had, they had in common. I mean, they understood that, guess what? We're in this together. And you go back and you look and their sacrificial giving, the sacrificial giving of their resources, the sacrificial giving of their time and their gifts and their talents, they got it. They understood, guess what? A lot is at stake here. We're in this together. See, if our church could understand one thing, and it's this issue of, man, we're, we're just, we're in this together. I mean, God is doing a huge thing in, Paul, in, in Pueblo, Colorado. And we're in this together. Fact is, when Jesus reinstated Simon Peter in, in John chapter 21, and he, he reinstates Simon Peter, and he comes to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon Peter, do you love me? And in this story, a lot of people focus on, Jesus said three things over and over. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And they focus on the word love, that it started out from a friendship love to an intimate love. And that becomes the focus. I don't believe that was the focus at all. Because Jesus really didn't say the same thing three times. He said different things. He answered the question differently. He was asking Simon Peter, Simon Peter, if you're all in, if you're all in personally, guess what? You'll be all in corporately. And he said, Simon Peter, these are the things that are essential for the life of the church. Watch this, John chapter 21, 15. And so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said yes to him. In other words, what he was saying, am I a priority in your life? Do you love me more than any other relationship, any other commitment? And it, more than these, he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love them, love you. And then he said to him that here's what I want you to do, feed my lambs. And so he asked him, he asked him the same question, but he, he answered it three different ways, or he answered it in such a way, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed my lambs, I want you to tend my sheep, and I want you to feed my sheep. Now listen, this issue of, of feed my lambs, these are just principles that we've lived by, by the local church in Fellowship of the Rockies. Feed my lambs, if you grab a, a, a Greek lexicon or a Greek dictionary, and you look up the word lambs in that, you will find it's the little ones, it's the helpless ones, it's the ones that have gone astray. It's those. You know what that's the picture of? You know what Jesus was asking Simon Peter? He's telling him, Simon Peter, if you love me, if you're all in, if you're in this together, then there's several things you're going to do. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna feed my lambs. In other words, he's talking about the issue of evangelism and baptism. Can I just tell you this? Over the 20-year history of Fellowship of the Rockies, we have baptized over 2,000 people. It's unbelievable. The number of people that we have baptized, do you realize the average church in America is either plateaued or in decline? The average church in America baptizes less than five people in a year. And when you look at what God is doing in this body, it's this issue of evangelism, what Jesus was saying. Listen, Paul helped Timothy understand that the only reason that Jesus came to this world was to what? To save sinners. To, to, to lay common ground so they could be in right relationship with God. Watch this, 1 Timothy 1.15. This saying is trustworthy and des deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom 
I am the foremost. In other words, Paul's saying, guess what? My testimony, worst testimony in our church. My story, worst story. In other words, you know what Paul said? If God can save me, he can save anybody. Because I was the worst. I mean, the, the only reason, listen, the only reason we celebrate Christmas is because of, because of this. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I mean, remember the Christmas story? When Jesus arrives to Mary and Joseph, uh, there, was, there was no room at the Holiday Inn. So they had to look for another place to go. And they ended up in like this barn. They ended up, it was really like, more like a cave. But it was like a stable. And they're at this feeding trough. And that's where Jesus was born. And God tells the angels. And God sends the angels and says, guess what? I want you to go and I want you to find the shepherds. And I want, I want you to tell them about the Messiah. He didn't, tell the, he didn't tell the angels to go the religious guys. He didn't tell the angels to go the most influential and the political people. He told them to go the shepherds. Now listen, I don't know if you know who the shepherds are or were. The shepherds in their culture, in their time, they were, they were like the lowlifes. They were like the scum of the earth. Fact is, I don't know if you know this, but the shepherds weren't even allowed to go to church. The shepherds in their culture were seen as unclean. They were seen alienated from the church. And God told the angels, you go to the shepherds, you go to the people that have been alienated from the church, you go to the people that have been disconnected from the church, you go to the people that feel like, you know what, I can't go to that church. If I walk in that church, lightning's going to hit the building and we're all going to die. You go to them. All the way through Jesus' ministry, Jesus kept emphasizing this. Remember the woman caught in adultery, which is really a, kind of a strange thing. That the Pharisees caught this woman in adultery in the act is what the Bible says. They drag, drag her out to the, to the city courts and she's down on her knees. She's in the dust and, and, and they're about ready to, to stone her. And Jesus walks up. And so they look at Jesus and they ask Jesus. They say, Jesus, what do you say? The, the law says that we should stone her, but what do you say? And then the scripture says that Jesus changes his posture and he writes something in the dirt. And so everybody's focused on what did he write in the dirt, right? Because we have inquiring minds. We want to know. What did he write in the dirt? And so there's whole papers. There's whole sermons done on what he wrote in the dirt. Nobody knows what he wrote in the dirt. And you know what? Since the Bible didn't tell us what he wrote in the dirt, I don't think it matters. Here's what matters to me. This woman caught in adultery far from God. Jesus changes his posture. And he kneels down and he looks her right in the eyes and he tells her, follow me, you're forgiven, just follow me and sin no more. I still cannot get over the fact. That Jesus Christ changed his posture for me. And Jesus Christ changed his posture for you. And Jesus is trying to help Simon Peter to understand. That it's about evangelism as a priority. And he tells him, Simon Peter, feed my little ones and feed my, feed my lambs. And then he says, tend my sheep. That means just a shepherd. That means to give direction to. 
That's why we have life groups here. And that's why we have ministry here. And that's why we disciple. Because it's not only just baptism, but then it's bringing people into the church. And it's giving direction to them. Whether it's through ministries and life groups and all the other things that we do in, in the local body. And we do in the, in the church. And, uh, and then he says, and then feed my sheep. I, I, just, I have been driven by this ever since I've become senior pastor here. That if we can just feed people's God's word where they understand God's word and we present God's word in such a way that it doesn't matter if it's your very first time in church or you've been in church all of your life, that God gives you something and he speaks into your life and you can get it and you can understand. Because I believe this, that if we get God's word, if we understand God's word, we'll change the city. We'll change more than this city if people just understand and get God's word. That's why I press in every weekend and say, open your Bibles or click to, turn to. Because I'm just such a believer that it's his word that will change your life. When you get into his word, it's a value in your life. You're like uh, Timothy to where you're devoted to scripture. The third and the last thing, if we're all in, we'll be all in personally. We'll be all in corporately. And then we'll be all in generationally. Uh, I think that's one of the powers of Fellowship the Rockies. All the different generations that we have in a worship service. Most churches only have one generation. Most churches are just getting older. And I am, listen, I am so thankful that we can worship together. All generations. I, I never will forget, just a really quick story, and we'll, we'll close. I will never forget, a few years back, I stood up to preach, and there is a, there is a young man uh, sitting towards the front, and, you know, I don't remember, purple hair, red hair, green hair, something spiked. And then, and I'm telling you, he had so much stuff hanging off his face, it looked like he fell face down into his, his granddad's tackle box. I mean... <laughs> All kinds of piercings, all kinds of tattoos, and, and he's seated next to a man in a suit, and they're both worshiping. And I thought, that's the church. That's the church. That's the church. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech and in conduct and love and faith and in, in impurity. You know what he's telling him? He's saying, Tim, Timothy, you, you lead together. You lead together with all generations, all ethnic backgrounds. I mean, you, you lead together to where we lead together. And listen, let me tell you something. And I get it, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings. I know for you, life is, is busy. You got... You got soccer tournaments, you got dance lessons, you've got baseball, you've got sports, you got all these things. But can I just tell you, we need you. We need you. And we need you to lead with us. And guess what? Your family. Your family needs this body. Your family needs what God wants to do in this in this place. And we need you to lead beside us. And so we, we need the younger generation part of leadership and part of serving along with us. Listen, every strategy in Scripture starts off with a relationship. And I, I don't know about you, but I am so excited to see what God's going to do 
over the next few years. I mean, God has done some amazing things. And he has some amazing things for Fellowship the Rockies. And, And my question to you is, man, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready personally? Are you ready corporately? And are you ready generationally? I pray that these next 20 years are marked by a community that really believes, you know what? We're in this together. We have been called by God. We're going to serve side by side. We're going to sacrificially give. We're going to sacrificially serve. And no matter what we face, guess what? We're going to persist. That I will give and I will grow and I will serve. Uh, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23, this is the message translation. This is what he said. This could be a life verse for all of us. I don't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I didn't want to just talk about being all in. I wanted to be in on it. Of what God wanted to do in my life, personally, corporately, and generationally. I don't want any of you to miss what God has for us in the next 20 years, in the coming days. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me, let me just ask you, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, how does he want you to respond? Maybe you've never come to that place came into the world and to save sinners. And maybe you've never, ever, ever accepted him and asked him to come into your life and start a relationship with him. I would encourage you, this would be a great morning to do that. Through just ask him. There's no magic prayer. You just ask him in your words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you that you come into my life. You forgive me my sins. You give me the gift of eternal life. And to the very best of my ability, I'm just going to follow you. Maybe you've already made that decision. And let me ask you this. Are you ready? Are you ready personally? Are you ready corporately? And are you ready generationally? And you may say, well, you know what, I, I've been attending, but I, I haven't been very involved. Well, guess what? The water's fine. Jump on in. We'd love to have you. fact is, we need you. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I, I just have a burden. I mean, I, I, I just need someone to pray for me. I just need someone to encourage me, to lift me up. We want to pray for you. We really do. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand... If you have a burden, if you have a prayer request, then we want to pray for you. So as you stand, after I pray in a few moments, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front? We have some people, this is their ministry, they're our prayer partners. And they would love to have the opportunity to pray for you and to encourage you, whatever God has laid on your heart. So if you need prayer, you come after I pray. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name and just the power of your word. And Father, we just thank you for what you've done in the life of Fellowship the Rockies over the last 20 years. And Father, we look forward to great expectancy of what you're going to do in the next 20 years. And Father, we just pray that we would lean harder into you, that we'd be more devoted to one another, more committed to one another, and we would know what it means to be all in and that we're in this together. And Father, for those that have prayer requests and burdens, we want to pray for them. So Father, we just ask that people will respond to you and that they would know the 
that they have found support and encouragement through prayer this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.